Hello, and welcome to Coffee with Graymass. I'm Tony Licavoli, and I'll be your host today. And we're joined this week by Aaron Cox, and we're going to be talking about key safety. So you might be asking, what exactly do we mean by key safety, and what uh, what would that all consist of? Well, you figure you have a wallet, you have an account, and uh, usually your account has a private key. How you manage to keep that safe, who has control of that key, uh, differences between owner and active key. We're going to kind of cover a lot of those topics today. So first off, hi, Aaron. Hello. Uh, so just to kind of kick things off, how exactly does uh, in, in, in EOS, in, or I'm sorry, in the Antelope network, uh, how exactly do wallets operate? Well, you can kind of think of wallets as just uh, some kind of data storage. Um, wallets at their core, they keep a private key safely within them, and then they use that private key internally to generate what are called signatures. Um, and this type of encryption is a large part of how these blockchains work in this decentralized fashion. Um, you as a user or anybody as a user who has a private key can use that private key to sign and create a signature, um, a piece of data. And I think the easiest way to describe it is probably that when you use your private key to sign a piece of data, um, the resulting signature that comes out of it can be verified that you are the one that signed it, but has no traces of that key itself. So every time you use your key, it remains safely in that like enclosed, safe data storage environment. And then it outputs this signature. And the signature then, I kind of just said this, but it proves that you were the one that signed that and it can be shared publicly safely. So that at a high level technical kind of overview is how it works. And the whole point of the wallet is to perform this operation. It keeps your key safe and it takes in data and outputs signatures. Um, this examples, I guess, of ways this could be done. If you're using like Anchor on desktop, Anchor will keep the private key safe for you. It's encrypted on your hard drive. Um, uses your password to encrypt and decrypt it. But other more advanced examples would be things like a ledger wallet, like the hardware device itself. Um, the private key is actually in that hardware device and never leaves it. So the way the ledger works is you're passing in the transaction. The ledger then signs it with the private key it has inside of it. And then it sends the signature back out to something like Anchor or whatever other app you're using, maybe Ledger Live or something. Um, and on mobile, it's kind of the same way. It's a little bit more secure than desktop would be, uh, arguably. Uh, there's some debate around that topic just because mobile devices you can like physically take from people. Um, but the mobile device has a special hardware chip on it that holds the private key. And so like when you're using Anchor on an iOS or Android device with the, uh, I can't remember exactly what it's called. Uh, it's the more secure mode when you create an account or import it. Um, Anchor on your mobile device is asking that piece of hardware to do the signing and that hardware actually has the keys. So if you've ever had an account in Anchor 
and the export key button is disabled, that's because Anchor doesn't even have access to it. It is in that piece of secure hardware. So all three of these examples, though, are things that they're just different ways that Anchor leverages this kind of private key storage and private key signing to create a secure experience. So when you're saying in a mobile device, uh, something like a secure enclave mm-hmm. on an iOS device or, um, and, and of course, in Android, they're named 13 different things. Um, yep. So, and, and, on, and desktop simply doesn't have that, but if you really still wanted that extra hardware layer of security, you could use something like a ledger in lieu of that. Yeah, exactly. And these sorts of hardware chips like the secure enclave and like what Android uses as well, I, I think they're trusted execution environments or something is what they call them. Mm-hmm. Um, those features are starting to come to desktop machines. Uh, they're just not super widely available. Uh, I, they haven't really proven their use case and they aren't distributed quite as uh, readily in machines. You know, it would, your motherboard would need to support it or some sort of prepackaged device like a MacBook. MacBooks yeah. actually do have these sorts of chips. We're not leveraging them in Anchor yet, but it is something mm-hmm. we could look into in the future. Kind of like something like a uh, like a fingerprint reader, yep. where it's not necessarily a a standard feature. And while it is a nice feature to have, it gets a lot less use than than makes it profitable for them to put it in the machine. Yeah, exactly. So, and if a machine has a fingerprint reader, it there are chances that it does actually have one of these chips in it because mm-hmm. technology like that uses this same sort of authentication mechanism. Okay, so. How exactly do you get a private key uh, from, well, I imagine it's different for each chain, but for, for specifically for antelope chains? There's a lot of ways. Um, I think the most easy way is to have some sort of device you trust to generate it. Um, but if you really like dive deep and kind of start nerding out on this topic, there's ways that you can do it with dice and coin flips to even do it without a computer and to generate the data needed to uh, seed that private key, which is always interesting. It can kind of be like a fun game. Um, we don't have anything like that in our tech stack or whatever. Um, but within kind of these uh, antelope networks, EOS specifically, if you want to look at that, um, Anchor is the one that often generates the private keys for you. Uh, it is done inside of the app, and then the private key never leaves the app, except in instances where you're making your owner key certificate. The owner key certificate has a private key baked into it, and the device that you make the owner key certificate with generates that key. And then that key, is, you know, you go through the process where you're printing it out and you're writing down the words, and then the key gets erased from the device, and now that owner key certificate is the key and now it's offline it's like that's what they call cold storage because it is no longer connected to the internet it is a piece of paper it can't be connected to the internet um if you save that as like a pdf or something that's obviously not as secure and there are means to access that um but typically most users will just have something generate the key for them and i think probably one of the most um security conscious things people should be aware of is is that every time you are putting a key 
onto a device or sending it to a new device or saving it somewhere or whatever, that's a point in time at which it could be stolen. And private keys, they don't change in this ecosystem. Uh, there are things like Bitcoin. They've adopted practices where it will actually rotate keys for you in the event that one gets taken. Um, mm-hmm. Antelope's uh, account-based architecture doesn't really work well for that. So we go with the approach of like, let's generate your key securely once and just have you not transfer it around willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the biggest red flag you could be on the lookout for is that if somebody is giving you a private key, that means that that person has had that private key and they could still right. have that private key. So you really want to trust the application or the source of your key being generated. Um, because I, on our side specifically, we don't want to see users who, you know, maybe they created their account with another wallet or somebody gave them a key and was like, here's your key for your account. And then they import that into Anchor. Anchor can't control at that point whether or not that key has been compromised. Like wherever you got the key from could have been copied off somewhere. And like, despite the copy of the key that you're storing in Anchor, um, being secure, the other copies that may exist on the internet kind of invalidate all the security we've worked to build. So really like make sure that you are generating your account, your keys, whatever it is from someplace that you trust and that you're not just getting a key from somewhere that you don't trust, despite how great of a deal or whatever it may be. um, You just really, if you get a key that you don't trust like this, change it. And if you need help changing it, uh, reach out to support, like ask us where, or maybe we need a guide or something on that topic. Yeah. I mean, the idea that you want to save, you know, a lot of people will try to save a couple pennies or a couple dollars here and there. And and have somebody else handle that for them. But in that process, you know, you're a lot of people don't necessarily have, you know, they have a little bit more than, you know, that (laughs) they might have more money or more tokens or more worth or value in their account than that savings is worth, you know, like if it was a thousand dollars and you're only going to keep a couple hundred dollars in your account, but it's a thousand dollars to have that security, then it's not worth it. But if it's a dollar or two, so you can have your own key and you're going to be storing hundreds or thousands of dollars worth of, assets, then yeah, it's definitely worth it. Absolutely. I always go to the, you know, if I were making a key for my house, right. And I, I'm only going to give the key to people that I trust, right. So I may give a key to you. I may give a key to, you know, my, 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 my mom or something like that. But the, the, and it also brings you back to copiers, which I'll get to in a second. But, um, but you know, if, if, if I'm going to go someplace, I'm going to, I'm to get a key made, I'm going to go someplace that I trust a, a hardware store, or maybe, maybe even a big box company just to have the, the, you know, the, the corporate backing, but I'm not going to go to some guy on the street that has a key making machine and, you know, pay with a, a you know, pay, pay to have them make a key. Cause then they'll just have that copy of that key. They'll have or or have the way to make my key. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like uh, uh, with with copiers, right? Where you go and you know, uh, the, there, this used to be a big thing. Well, it's always been a big thing, but whenever you copy something on a on a photocopier, or Xerox or whatever you want to call it, a copy of that is saved onto the drive on the copy machine. So 
a lot for a long time, people didn't realize that any of these documents, whether it be social security cards, driver's licenses, anything that's been copied on a copier is stored there. So that, that became a, a, a pseudo kind of cottage industry for a while of, you know, we'll take your copiers and make sure they're blank, you know, and then yeah. it, it kind of became a, a big deal. But, but it's the idea that if you make the key, then only, you know, it and exactly. only, you know, how, how it got made and where it got made and where it's stored. So you take that, you know, responsibility on yourself by doing that. And that's, that's the trade-off, right? You're, you're the one that's going to have to maintain and manage and handle that key. But it, it's not a matter of like, if you're trying to, you know, you store your money in a bank because your home isn't safe enough to store it, so to speak. But in this case, you're storing a key, which is much easier to store than say thousands of dollars. Yeah. So uh, it, it makes sense to maintain it and, and handle it yourself, even if it is a small inconvenience. Yeah. And even going back to the house key analogy, it like you're still trusting though whoever is making a copy of the key not to keep a copy of the key. Right. It like no matter what the store is, the only way that you could do it trustlessly would be if you had your own key copying machine that you knew was not copying it. And that is similar to what Anchor does and what a mm -hmm. lot of wallets do is they yeah. are the key machine that you get to own. So that way you don't have to trust anybody else with the security of your keys. It is, it is all done within the app. And I guess the only layer of trust is, is that you need to trust that single application. So that's the experience we've strived to create. And honestly, we've tried to go so far out of the way as to make it so you don't even have to think about private keys. When you create an account with Anchor, like we give you the owner key certificate, which is a key, but it's also a lot more easy to understand and it has instructions and it tells you how to store it. Um, and it, it, it is the guide to being that key maker. It yeah. is, it could use some improvements. Surely we're still, you know, learning and figuring out where the pain points are and all that process, but we're, we're giving you the toolkit to make your own keys and, kind of obscuring it so you don't know that's what you're doing. Um, mm -hmm. But it's just, it's that important of a step. It's like the foundation of your security while using crypto. Yeah. No, it, it's, I, I, I've, since I've come on to Graymass, I've been a huge proponent of the owner key certificate just because it takes a, a, a potentially complicated process and even simplifies it even just a little bit. You know, um, you, you need to have your sheet and then you have the six words. And that's, that's the end of it. If you have those two things, then you can recover your account. So, you know, rather than, okay, am I pulling and, and believe me, I, I, I'm, let's see, I'm at 700, 750 <laughs> support tickets at this point. Uh, well, from since October of last year, but the bulk of the issues that we see when people are trying to import private keys is, you know, they'll get the private key mixed up with the public key or they won't copy the entire pub private key or they won't include the the, you know, the the, the header bit or they'll have leave a space on the end. And then on top of that, it's how many characters? 50? Uh, yeah. Or, yeah. It's, yeah. It's a it's a long string of text. And I don't you know, it, it, it's it's hard to uh, uh, try to make sure you get all of that right. And then copying, pasting runs into its own issues, whereas with the owner key certificate, you know, you scan the QR code and then it's plain English, six words that are all relatively short. Some 
are slightly longer than others, but it's not something that you're going to want to remember or memorize, but they're easier to put in. The, the user experience is much more friendly, much easier to work with, and it handles so much of it for you that it's, yeah, I kind of love it. And it looks really cool. It looks like a, looks like a stock form, which is rare. Right. And kind of going back to what you were talking about with Xeroxes uh, yeah. and copy machines, uh, being able to save a copy of that. The, the whole reason we give you, what is it, 28 words, I think? 28, um, yeah. We let you print 28 of the words, and then you have to physically write six of the words down is because the fact that printers and copy machines and other things like that can save a copy of this data. If we included all of the data on the owner key certificate and just said, print this out, that printer could be what steals your account. Whoever owns that printer, whoever accesses that data, whoever can see a copy of that. But since it's missing those six words that we make you write down on top of the 28 words, if they get a copy of the 28 words, it's useless because they don't have the six words that you wrote down on it afterwards. So, yeah, you gotta have both. Yeah, it, it may be a little bit of a pain to have to print something and then write something down, but really that is protecting you. That's making it so you don't have to trust the printer. You could print out the owner key certificate at like a Kinko's or a local printer or whatever, and you don't have to worry that they're going to steal your account because they have a copy of that certificate. The only right. way that they would be able to steal it is, is if they watched you write the six words down or if you printed the paper with the six words on it after like manually editing it or something. Yeah. But again, it's just there are points where you need to trust things and then there are steps that are meant to make it so you don't have to trust things. And the way that the owner key certificates work is specifically designed so you don't have to trust these pieces of data all in one place. And it's there to help you, you know, keep your account safe. It keeps those private keys safe. Yeah. It's, it's such a weird, uh, um, almost a duality, right? Where we have this method to making sure that our, we keep our keys safe, that we protect the, the privacy of our users data. But in the same token, you could still look at that person's account information on any block explorer. So you get this, security and transparency, which is such a rarity that it, it, it still boggles my mind sometimes. It's a crazy application of this like mathematical technique that was invented years and years and years ago. And just over the past, you know, 10, 15 years has really taken on a life of its own in the crypto space. Well, I mean, and it's, this is, we're getting into web three territory, right? Where, yep. you know, you have, you have trustless applications where, you know, all it needs to know is that you are this account and that's all that matters. Yep. You All you have to do is prove that you are you to your account and nothing more. And hopefully, boy, that sounds like a great future. <laughs> it's a passwordless future. It is yeah. ideally, I mean, we've probably got into this or we will get into this on some vision-y stuff, but like the fact that you have to give everybody your email address when you want to yeah. create an account isn't required in kind of a passwordless future with Web3 style technologies. Um, and the fact that you have to store a password with every service you use, which could be compromised and then your password gets leaked, um, that also goes away. Those are the two biggest things, I guess, in my opinion, that 
this kind of web three quote unquote movement can bring it. Yeah. It is a more private and more, uh, less trusting, I guess maybe is a better way to put it, a less trusting future. You don't have yeah. to store your personal information with an application and you don't even have to like, the application doesn't get to know what your password is. You right. just use those signatures that you can use your private key to create and it proves to the application you are who you say you are without them knowing your password or your private key in this instance. Yeah. And it just, so the application trusts whatever is providing account information, so to speak. It so, trusts the blockchain. It trusts the immutable source of data. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So kind of bringing us back and we've been kind of dancing around this topic a little bit, but let's talk briefly on um, custodial versus non-custodial. So which, which one is anchor? Let's, let's start there. Anchor is non-custodial. Um, it, it is non-custodial because you are the one that has your keys. It, you know, you are your own custodian in that sense. Um, Custodial really means that somebody else is in custody of your data and they're responsible for keeping it safe. Non-custodial is nobody else has your data. There are no custodians. You are in custody of your data and it is your responsibility to keep it safe. So Anchor falls in the non-custodial category. We don't have access to any of your keys. We can't control your accounts. We can't do anything in that regard with your account. Um, only what you authorize Anchor to do on your application is you know, what your account's gonna be able to perform. And there are positives and negatives to that, right? You know, it, it's the idea that they're your keys, they're your responsibility. And unfortunately that it leaves us, it, it makes a case for both, I guess, is, is kind of the, the, the interesting thing to me is that I don't think it's just a matter of having just the one, but, um, but you, you know, there are features that you could utilize in both. Um, but the the big thing for me is that we we have no record of your keys. We don't retain any your your user's email. We get a lot of people that ask us to try to reset their password in Anchor uh, on desktop, and it's not something we keep. We don't retain any of that information because it is your information. We 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 don't want it. <laughs> we are very unlike most corporations these days and we don't we don't want your data. We we want we don't want to have it because it's yours and we don't have a need for it. We're not going to sell it. We don't want to do anything with it. We just and, and and unfortunately that when it comes time to try to help out on something like this, you know, that's what we have to go back to. Yeah. So, I guess so what are some examples of custodial wallets at least in the in the antelope space? I think in our space uh, something like the Wax Cloud Wallet is an example of okay. something that's custodial. You you don't have your keys. Uh, your keys are being held by a custodian. The those who operate that wallet. Um, really, you can think of kind of uh, custodial versus non-custodial as who is responsible for the data. Mm -hmm. um, in the case of Anchor, every single Anchor user is responsible for their own data. Whereas in the case of like the Wax Cloud Wallet, the entity running the Cloud Wallet is responsible for everyone's keys. They they have them all. Um, and what this like that's really like if you look at centralization versus decentralization, 
that that is two sides of the spectrum. And kind of the anchor world, it is truly decentralized because everybody is in control of their own keys and there is no central place where the keys are being kept. On, on the Wax Cloud Wallet side of things, there is one place where everyone's keys are being kept and that creates its own risks. Um, it, it does provide some convenience. You know, like mm-hmm. the users there never have to deal with anything related to keys. It's because right. they are... Um, they're offloading that burden. They're, they're not responsible for that. Somebody, they are, they are commissioning somebody else to be responsible for it effectively. And it does create a really nice user experience because they get around all the headaches that we have to deal with in a non-custodial world. Um, so it's really just a trade-off. You know, if you, if, if you're not super concerned and you just, you know, you're, you're going to have like, I don't know, 50 or a hundred dollars and just have fun and play. Like when you're at a, a casino or something, you know, you put the money in the machine, the machine has the money now and you're trusting that it will give some of it back. If it, you know, the game or whatever allows for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're trusting that that entity is going to fulfill its expected obligation with you. Um, but in just this decentralized world, like you are responsible for your own, uh, keys, your own data. And we try to abstract that as much as possible on our end. So that way it feels easy. Um, but if you throw your phone in a lake and you don't have any backups, you know, that, that was your responsibility to keep it safe. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of like when you live at, like, let's say you live in an apartment and, and, and to, to use the literal term, right? Like a custodian, you know, if I go at, at home, I'm responsible for cleaning my house. I have to take out the garbage. I have to vacuum, sweep, clean the toilets, all that stuff. However, when I go to an office, usually most offices will have some sort of janitorial cleaning service, quite literally a custodian to handle that stuff for you. So yep. you're not, you're, you can go into the office knowing that it will be clean. Uh, if you go home, it may be clean, but that's because you made it clean. So that that responsibility to to maintain cleanliness is is on you, the the person that owns the home. Um, but yeah, when 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 you when you go into the office, you make a spill or something happens. Well, there's a custodian there to handle it for you and to help you out. Yeah, it, it's really all about the responsibility. Yeah, that's 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 about it. Yeah, I mean it, it's. It, it, it's it's hard to try to 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 reinforce that to people because people usually just want to kind of get their account and get moving, um, and so it's hard to kind of slow them down and and want to have a serious discussion about security. <laughs> um, yeah. Trying to make it work, you know. So we we've covered a lot of different ways that you can store your key. Um, why you know the the pros and cons of custodial versus non custodial. Um, what are some ways that that a private key can be, I don't want to maybe abused or, or hacked? Um, is is that a possibility? Is that even a possibility? And and if so, is it how likely are we looking here? How 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 likely is something like that to happen? There's a lot of vagueness around what hacking means in this space. I think um, the kind of the architecture of private keys and signatures and how these blockchains work, um, nobody's been able to hack it. It, it, it there, the math is just so, I don't even have the right word for it, big, I guess, 
um, that like there's no chance. Well, there's a chance, obviously, but it's super tiny that somebody else is going to end up being able to like recreate your private key. Um, I've heard, I don't know of what the best description of it is, but something like there's more private key combination possibilities than there are atoms in our solar system or potentially in our universe. <laughs> like the numbers are just so astronomical that you can't fathom them. Like that yeah. doesn't even make sense to try to say or understand, but that is that is a truth on how secure private key uh, encryption can be. Um, now, when we talk about hacks quite often, it is in a custodial sense. It is, there is right. one entity that is responsible for thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of users. And it's not that the private key got hacked. It's that their normal computer systems got hacked and somebody got access to that. Um, that is probably, they go to great lengths to prevent that kind of thing. And so a lot of people will point to like things like insider attacks where there's a, there's like a guy on the inside that helps, you know, facilitate the theft of data. Yeah. Um, but that isn't super common. It was for quite a while, uh, in the crypto space as these large, uh, custodial entities would get hacked. Um, but most of the time, because of how decentralized most wallet infrastructure is, you'd have to hack everybody's individual devices in order to get to everybody's individual private keys. And even then, like we were talking about, uh, mobile devices, for example, like even if you were to install a malicious app on a device, there's a good chance that it can't even access that data because that data is in uh, the secure enclave or a trusted mm -hmm. execution environment. Yeah. Um, so they may be able to do harmful things if they got access to that device and could somehow access that secure environment. Like they could take your tokens or something. Um, but again, that's a vulnerability in the computer system and not in the actual private key architecture itself. So there, there are ways in which people get hacked, quote unquote hacked. Uh, it has often very little to do with private keys and more often has to do with uh, the way that the system is architected or is some kind of social engineering attack. Right. Um, going all the way back to what we were talking about earlier, you have to trust where your key comes from. If I don't want to call specific services or whatever out, but there are services in the Antelope ecosystem where they will create an account for you and they will just say, here, this is your private key. And they will send it to you through some unsecured means. You don't know if that service kept a copy of the key. You don't know if that key was uh, maybe intercepted as it was being sent to you. You don't know if that when you put it in your clipboard in your computer, if it was copied out somewhere. Like it is, as a key moves from one system to another, there are points at which it can be stolen. And that is not the hacking of your account or the hacking of your private key, but it is the hacking of all these other systems in place as it's delivering that key to you. So right. that is probably one of the most common ways people's accounts get compromised is that somewhere along the way 
that key was being transmitted insecurely and then somebody got a copy of it and eventually noticed, hey, there's money in here and I'm going to take it. Um, it's not really hacking in that sense, but it is. it compromises your account. It compromises your security. Um, and there's nothing we can do to fight that unless like you used our apps to generate your keys and they never left your own device. Like that is the surefire way to secure it. The only way in which that wouldn't be secure is if you didn't have a legit copy of Anchor or if Anchor itself was compromised. 99 times out of 100, the human element is the biggest security flaw in most systems in general. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's rarely going to be an issue where someone's going to technologically hack you. And usually it's going to be a man in the middle or a phishing attempt or, uh, you know, a Trojan horse kind of thing where it, it, it's less about there, there's so much of hacking has very little to do with actual hands on keyboard time. You know, it, it's, it's just a matter of, like you said, social engineering of people. Yeah. Um, and in the same, when we were talking about, you know, if, if you were to get your private key from someplace, you know, let's say they email it to you, you, you have to, un, you have to know the entire signal flow that I, I always go to signal flow cause I, I have an audio background. So I think of from microphone to speaker and what does that, where does that signal go along that path? Right. So in this case, somebody generates a private key for you, then they have that copy on their machine or could have that copy. But then you still have to send it in an email. Uh, your, their email client could save a copy. Whoever they work with, their email provider could save a copy. Your email provider could save a copy. Not to mention that, you know, it could get saved in a uh, any number of different places. Let's say, you know, it, it comes as a PDF on your phone or <laughs> your email. Then, OK, now we got to. You know, it could be saved anywhere you've opened that email. So, I mean, there's there's so many potential places, whereas the safest way is to make it yourself and then it's on the one device and then, you know, then you then you're then it's dealt with. Um, but it's, it's again hard to rationalize that to people that the the simpler yet uh, option is going to require more responsibility, but it is infinitely simpler. Exactly. We've talked a lot about user key security. What about developers? Is there any way or any method or anything that they can use to make sure that their users' keys stay safe? If they take on that responsibility, if a developer is at the point where they're like, I want to help users get started and then they start doing key generation, they're now responsible for that. If that user's yep. account gets hacked, it's their responsibility. It doesn't matter which wallet the key lives in. It, it, the responsibility starts at the creation of the key. And so I guess to kind of go back to the question on like, how do they make sure their users' keys are safe? They should just not take on that responsibility. They should just accept that the wallet is going to have to do that for them. And like it, it's really a realm that unless you're building a wallet, you shouldn't be involved in, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I would completely agree. Yeah. The, if an application is asking for your key, then they better have a really, really good reason for wanting it. Um, but in general, I would, you know, and I think this is common knowledge across, but you never send out your private key to anybody. You know, there's, there's no need to send it anywhere. Yeah. That should be 
everybody's baseline is Mm -hmm. you never share your private key. It's called a private key for a reason, and it should remain private because the minute it's no longer private, then your your security is at risk. Yeah. And I mean, if you really want to roll the dice on something like that and, and or if, if, you know, it's somebody, you know, somebody saying, I swear it's going to be good, then make another account, you know, just spin up another account and give them those keys. Don't but you know, don't give them the, the good account. I mean, something I've taken on is ever since I've gotten into and, and started working in this industry, I have my my one account that I, you know, that is my serious account. And then I have my goof account um, yep. and it's it makes it a lot less risky. I have the goof account that, you know, I have NFTs on and all that stuff. And I'm not going to sweat it if I lose them. It's 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 fun. Not to mention I have a, a half dozen testing accounts. Um, so that also kind of helps. But. Uh, but then, yeah, I have my one account that I just don't mess around with and it, it does the one thing it's supposed to do. And, and that's all I want it to do. And, you know, it's two bucks if I need to go do an, if I want to go make another account. So, um, yeah. it's limiting know. risk. It is. Yeah. Think of it like a credit card, a checking account and a savings account. Right. Like typically you're going to use your credit card or debit card for well, debit card is kind of a bad example because it's linked mm-hmm, to a checking mm-hmm. account. But the credit card is the thing that you give out and you purchase things on websites and, you know, it has a limit to it. It If your credit card got stolen, somebody might rack up charges and max it out. But it's like, it's not direct access to your bank account. And in that sense, like your checking account is where you keep money that's kind of meant to be spent. And that is probably... Uh, you don't use that as much as you'd use like a credit card, for example. It's one step away from that. Um, And then going one step even further, you have a savings account, which you can't actually spend money from. Like you have to transfer money out of the savings account into like a checking account in order to be able to write checks or use uh, debit card payments. So like right there in a traditional finance sense, you have three different accounts your credit card account, your checking account, and your savings account. And you can do the same thing on a blockchain. You know, you can sure. have an account that is your credit card. You just, you know, it is, it's not actually a credit card. It would have money right. in it, but right. it maybe it's your spending account or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you could have a savings account where it's like, I don't ever really touch this. It's that pain. It's that, that uh, hassle, I guess maybe is a better word. Um, that I have to go to to get the money out of savings and put it in checking or to spend that money or whatever. Um, But it's those extra steps that help keep that account more secure. And that is the, you know, the risk tolerance of that account. And people with tons of money, you know, like I don't have a lot of money, but um, people with tons of money will go one step even further and they will use cold storage where they have generated keys offline Private key has never touched a computer. It is on a piece of paper, maybe split across multiple people uh, or locations or however you want to do it. There's a lot of strategies and they all require like manual human intervention. Um, but that is probably the most secure way because like you can't hack that. You would have to have knowledge of where that key is and you would have to physically break into those locations and be able to reassemble the key and you know it's it's 
it's like missile launch codes. You know, they, yeah. they go out of their way to make it painful to do because they want to prevent it from happening. And the same is yeah. true for people with very large sums of money in crypto that they will, they go through these like rituals to unlock those funds to make them spendable. And it's, you know, you start off at this high level and maybe you start off with like a custodial account where you don't even have the keys and then you move into having your own wallet and then you move into having a hardware wallet and then you move into cold storage. And it's just the rabbit hole just keeps getting deeper with additional layers of security that you could adopt. But at the right. most simple level, maybe just having two accounts, one that you have fun with that doesn't have a lot of value and you risk it all being lost. And then another one that's a little bit more secure that like, oh, I'm going to hold this for three years or whatever. Here's my ledger device or my cold storage or whatever. Yeah. And, and, and having that, um, you know, and, and that's the beauty of all this, right, is you have that you have that option. And this isn't something that you have to go to your bank to get set up. You just do it yourself. And yeah. um, I mean, that's the that's the revolution of crypto, though. So <laughs> it's not anything we're special that we're doing. It's just it's just what we all hope for the world. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully like that less secure method that we've been talking about is what's going to lead into kind of this Web3 world, this passwordless future um, that's better for privacy, better for security, doesn't trust as much as we do today and can, you know, help make the Internet a better place. All right, folks, uh, that's about all the time we have for this episode. Uh, not exactly the most uh, exciting and uh, energizing topic, but a lot of good information, good stuff for you guys to hear about. Um, you know, we always try to preach security, but it's uh, it's it's a lot easier when we can kind of flesh out why. <laughs> um, so just a little housekeeping here. Um, please feel free to support Graymass on GitHub sponsors. As always, you can vote for Graymass Proxy uh, to support us there as a block producer. Uh, you can also feel free to reach out to us with any questions or suggestions at hello at graymass.com. Uh, also, if you have any problems or questions or issues with Anchor, uh, you can or any of our other products for that matter, uh, please let us know by emailing us at support at graymass.com or visiting our support portal at support.graymass.com. Aaron, thank you. It's always been a pleasure. As always. Thank you for joining us this week, everyone. Uh, we'll hope to have a new episode out soon. And until then, thanks for listening to Coffee with Gray Mass, and we'll talk to you later.